Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. He's Barnes Courtney, and he's next. And now, from the legendary Studio B, so you're in Seattle with Gregor. I don't think I fully understood the road that Barnes took to becoming the sexual beast he's evolved into these last several years. What an interesting kid from just down the road. Stop in Seattle thus warranted a fun pop-in for a conversation like this. He sort of has the mind of a mad scientist. He, like, moves perhaps too quickly for his own good. He's got the musk of a predator stalking his mountain prey without concern of being smelled out. That's Apex Predator. We, we got weird in places, covering everything from Seattle smells to the construction of a source of pure evil. An organ made and powered by Furbies. <laughs> Buckle up, it's going to get silly. He answers simple questions like, is it as small as they say it is? Where are all your muscles at? And of course, was that smell you, Barnes? Listen, he gets naughty right out of the gate, so put on your big kid ears if you're ready to listen to this. Otherwise, you might be upset afterwards. <laughs> Great. Woke up at 4 a.m. Some guy was like trying to shove some ass. The walls in the Belltown Inn are paper thin. <laughs> like, it's insane. I could hear every little like squelch as this guy was like, Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> just lying in bed like, holy hey, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then I realized it was a rent boy that I hired myself in a drunken stupor that was actually in my own hotel room. <laughs> I checked my Venmo and I had paid for it. That's <laughs> I had paid over five thousand dollars for a very, very expensive rent boy covered in truffle oil. <laughs> very specific. I like that. I'm a man with specific tastes. <laughs> Congratulations on all your success since the last time you've been here. Thank you. Mainly the 24 million streams of the song 99. Is that how many it's on? That's God. what the email said to me that I read before you wow. came in. It's so funny, isn't it? Because these streams, like, there's so much media and different streaming platforms and different things. They're all kind of becoming irrelevant. It's like they're all in the millions, no matter who you are. It's like 20, 28, he's got 74 trillion streams. He's got 100. 12 Googleplex streams. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I don't know the relevance of that. I see, like, when one of my friends will put out a record or something like that, I'm like, wow, 11,000 streams, great job. Right? And it's like, no, no. <laughs> but it, it's really hard to understand. It's not like back in the day where it's like, he's on MTV. And you're like, oh, shit, that's a very simple, like, trans transcription of how well you're doing. Yeah, you could easily be like, if you uh, if you were a stand-up comedian, you did Letterman or something right. like that. Oh, he got the Tonight Show. Well, aren't you fancy? I mean, I did Conan and Corden, and like my socials didn't even nudge. What? Like at all. What? And then I did like one support for Ed Sheeran, and it was like, that was right back in the beginning of my career. And it was like 800 followers immediately after I came off stage. Wow, weird. It's so, I don't understand anything anymore. Nothing makes sense. <laughs> the internet is completely my whole like understanding of the music industry. Isn't it weird? Yeah. I, well, I'll just skip ahead to something I wanted to talk to you about. It's weird now that like we're kind of back to 
an old school music is different. It's a lot more old school now. Like where if you if you're a guy that has a single that's hot, then you become a hot commodity. Yeah, which is nice in a way because you can produce something in your bedroom, and there aren't so many gatekeepers to be like, no, you can't. If your if your stuff is really really good, yeah, and you put it out on SoundCloud, even if it's not finished. You'll still get the the dues that you deserve for being a talent. Who's that dude that wrote that song? Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's not. It's not gonna come to me. Is this helping? I know exactly what you're talking about. We had him as a discover and download artist, but I'm just not gonna get there. Guess you'd collaborate. You got it figured out. Yeah, he's great, man. <laughs> but you know, if you just put that on SoundCloud unfinished. And uh, that's the wonderful thing about the internet. Yeah, people are connecting with it, and you're like, it's like it's busting genres even a little people bit. People complain; they're like, "Oh, it's too saturated. Nothing can stand out." But it's like, no, you just need to be better. You think it's making the songwriting more difficult, or how's it affecting it? I should say. I would. I feel like back in the day, if you could get through the gates, yeah. it was easier to make headway. But no matter what ear you're in, talent's always talent, right? Yeah. And I believe now more so than ever, you get more Jews for being really forward-thinking and talented. Jeez. I thought you said more Jews. You get more like, Jews. <laughs> Add to my collection. <laughs> my Jew folder is at full capacity. <laughs> it's amazing. Hasidic, <laughs> non-practicing, they're all there. Are you Orthodox? <laughs> get in. Get in my folder. Let me let me look at you. So, are you? How's your Spanish? El elefante es gris y grande. I feel like Richie Valens is the the world that you're stumbling into. A guy with a guitar here playing some rock and roll, trying to get that single that blows you up one at a time here. Right. That's uh. I feel like the, the the model's more towards that again. And I don't know how. How do you feel about the idea of an album right now? I mean, you're going to release one, 404, out in September. Oh, that's, that's plug, dude. That was a, <laughs> but, that was a segue. But how do you feel? Like, you spent all this time working on an album. Mm. Does that fit into your plans still really well? Or is that something that the label wants you to do? Or I make albums because I love albums. Great. And I love when I hear an artist like Cigarettes After Sex or uh, for a more like contemporary example, like a Billie Eilish when I can just put on a record and listen to it from top to bottom, and it's a it's a solid piece of work. The God, that, that album's great, man. Yeah. The interesting thing about Billie Eilish is that she kind of does it both. She does both of those things. She releases like track after track after track, like uh, a hip hop artist would with mixtapes, and then she also delivers an album. So it's quite, it's it's the wild west out there. But anyway, in answer to your question, I love albums, so I'm gonna make albums. Great. Done. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's well, it. on 9-6, you'll have one for people to pick up, 404. Uh, up, stop here again in Seattle at Numo's on October 2nd to headline a show here. Headlining tour. That sounds pretty good. Ooh, fancy. Old Barnsey headlining his own tour. Now, I want to talk about Seattle a little bit. You are you have a connection to Seattle. You're like a British-born. You wouldn't know it from talking to I know, you. I know, I totally missed out on the saucy accent. I feel like you could still get it if you work on it. You Hello, see. my name is Bounce Courtney. <laughs> Ipswich Town, is that where you're from? Uh, oh, Ipswich, yeah. But in Ipswich, they talk like, like, right, listen to me now, boy. This is my new single. Uh, it's called You and I. <laughs> it's like super uh, it's farmery. That's crazy. Okay, but you uh, you moved here when you were little? Like so? Like four. Do you have like a bond to Seattle? Oh, yeah. This, this feels like home. It's the weirdest thing. I didn't know that 
so many smells would be nostalgic when when I aged. But like offices in Seattle smell like Seattle offices. Weird. Streets uh, smell like Seattle streets. Like specific kind of cleaning products they use in hotel rooms. Because I've been all around the U.S. now. I've been touring for the last four years. And this is very specific, this place. Weird. And it really feels like home, too. I noticed that especially just coming back uh, yesterday. And of all the cities I've been to, it really is. This place is amazing. You kind of, I, I took it for granted when I was young, but I've been ev- I've been to every state in America apart from Alaska, uh, doing tours, and it's it's pretty good where, in this area. Where'd you grow up in Seattle? Oh, I mean, I didn't really grow up in Seattle. I grew up in Redmond and, sure, uh, and sure. Bellevue. Yeah. So I, mean, I live in Snohomish, but I still yeah. Say that's that. not like, Seattle. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> that's not Seattle. Hell no. <laughs> there's uh, there's too many. Uh, Oh, I won't. I won't go there. Never mind. Kurt Cobain didn't even grow up in Seattle. Yeah, he still gets pinned to it though, because it's the biggest gravity. It's the, yeah, it's the coolest place. Yeah, but like the best Fugazi show I've ever seen footage from is in Olympia, and really? like, uh, yeah, yeah, just like uh, just you know, crazy stuff that there's just a lot of interesting people that are caught in the gravitational well of like the greater Seattle area yeah. or stuff. What do you miss from here? Anything? Ah, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff, man. Uh, there's a very specific. Because you were a kid, right? Like it's not kid, like you yeah. were like a full grown adult. No, I, I left when I was fourteen. Yeah. So I didn't see the music scene or anything. Right. There's a very specific kind of nerdiness that comes from Seattle that is like fully burrowed into my heart <laughs> from when I was young. Do you find um, when you go other places that are like nerdy as well? That's it's not the same thing. Okay. It's like you know this this place is like video games yeah. and uh, other places is like Dungeons and Dragons. I feel like. Uh, there's a specific personality type that you meet here, and um, I mean, got the mountains in the background, and the clouds turn purple in the evening. That's yeah. not a thing that happens in other places, That's you know. Crazy. Those weird swallows that like dip their bellies in the water as they float. They, this is an amazing, magical wizard kingdom. I agree. It's like a, it's it's always felt really good to me that when you walk down the street, there's just blackberries growing on the side. Like, where does that happen? Food <laughs> is abundant. It's so abundant. Humans are supposed to be here. I know. It's it's really weird, and I really did take it for granted uh, until I went all around the U.S. And now I've realized that I've made a terrible mistake, and I should have just got a nice nine to five. <laughs> where do you live? Nowhere. Really? Yeah, I'm like a I'm a nowhere boy. You don't have a residence. No, I've That's just been awesome. on. I've been on tour solidly for the last four years, and I, I used to rent in North London, um, and I just realized I was never there. So my my roommates, my housemates, moved out about three years ago. So I assume my stuff is just kind of like <laughs> you know been pawned off or floating about the ether. Um, everything I own is in my suitcase that I take around in a little sprint, sprinter van. Uh, Tottenham or Arsenal? Uh, Pokemon. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. That's perfect. But like first generation, I'm OG. That's amazing. Okay, so you started here, I would guess, playing instruments before you went to England. No, weirdly, like I was super into like I'd go over to my friend's house, I'd play Warhammer. Yeah. You'd play like, you know you paint your own characters and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of course I did. Who do you think I am? Hello. <laughs> Hello. And we used to play like, uh, you know, we play Super Smash Bros and stuff and Halo. Um, and it wasn't until I moved to England, to Ipswich, that I actually really started to get heavily into music. And I met my first band and we started playing local shows and like, yeah. school concerts and stuff. What's the first song you learned to play on guitar? I Want to F*** a Dog in the ass by Blink-182. <laughs> I love how <laughs> vulgarly specific that is. That's wonderful. Who taught you? You? It was a guy called James Barry. 
he was very impressed that he taught it to himself on the football field. Uh, so in his fervor, he decided to show me. That's incredible and disturbing. I love the sound of that. That's cool. I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, it was, you know, Layla by Eric Clapton. Uh, it was Imagine by John Lennon. Uh, Come As You Are was the one that everyone learned in my age group. Was that's, like, that's it's, a like cool an, one. it's just an easy riff to learn how to play, and then you can be like, hey, look at this thing. I can Not do as now. easy as I want to fuck a dog. <laughs> I think more people might resonate with more people, but um, yeah, that's good. Those guys, uh, you know, Come As You Are, they got taken down by Killing Joke for stealing their, their riff. What? Yeah. No. Yeah, apparently. And Dave Grohl played for free on Killing Joke's record because of that. You're blowing my mind right, right? now, Barnes isn't that, Courtney. Isn't that crazy? Music historian, Barnes Courtney. They're nuts, those Killing Joke guys. Absolutely. I heard that my tour manager, Leon, used to work with them. He told me this story. He was like, every day, right? This is from Northern England. <laughs> every day, there used, to, there used to be this enormous chest, and it was so heavy and... And basically, the singer said it must be delivered to his hotel room every single night. It took four or five roadies to carry this thing up step by step. It was incredibly long. And I just thought one day, you know, they've been going on for years by the time I joined. And I thought one day, you know, I'm not having this. I'm not hauling this thing up all these stairs without knowing what's, what's inside it. And so one day I opened it, didn't I, when no one was looking. And I looked inside, and it was full of bricks. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I went, to, I went to him, I said, it's full of bricks. And he just goes, <laughs> What a dick! That's incredible, though. Right? You think, can we trust Leon? <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's a true story. I mean, they're, they're crazy, those guys. <laughs> okay, so anyway, it was uh, Blink-182 was your first <laughs> it's the first album you picked up. Um, good question. I mean, I grew up in the the height of the download generation. Mm -hmm. Bear share, LimeWire, all that sure, good stuff. Sure. So I don't know if I sharing viruses. Oh man, Rapidly. my computer got AIDS so quick, ruining computers. <laughs> it was just like it was phenomenal how everything was mislabeled. You try and download a Green Day album, you would get some like intense <laughs> porn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I swear, Papa. I was trying to listen to American Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess because like at that time everyone was just taking music off the internet, and then it became vinyl became really big again, like five six years yeah. ago, and people started actually buying music again. A little harder to steal vinyl off of the uh, off the internet than absolutely. It is. The songs. Okay, I, that sucks. There's like a big gap then. I guess it would also inform why people, why things are going back to like singles and why writing a hit song is like something that's a little bit more important to get people to steal that from the internet. Well, I mean, it's it's changing again though because look at, look at Billie Eilish to bring that lady up again. Yeah. How many formulaic singles, like radio-friendly singles does that lady have? Like not really any. Yeah. She kind of just consistently put out amazing sh Again and again, because like, don't get me wrong. Just because a song isn't for radio, I feel like as an artist, you need a track that the soccer mom driving her two screaming kids to school in the morning is gonna hear in her head when she gets home when she's not paying attention. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean that the album track's a worse track. It just means that there's a certain formula that works better uh, for the airwaves, right? Right. But Billie Eilish is a weird one because she doesn't really have any tracks that immediately like grab you with tons of hooks. It's just like all forward-thinking, incredible pop music with amazing lyrics and an amazing voice. 
and a really cool attitude about yeah. that, that sews the whole thing together. It's really strange. It's, it's everything, guys. Uh, if, if you ever talk about real raw talent, those two, her and her boy, uh, her boy Phineas, her brother. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's super cool. It's like, it's, and it is. it does run the gamut so much. So, okay, so you're kind of a guy that has like this complicated story. Great demeanor, real fun, real uh, fun-loving, it seems like. But you got real hot when you were young and kind of fought over by an industry that ultimately wanted to chew you up and spit you out, yet yeah. you're still standing here. Where'd you kind of come from musically? Like, how did that all get started? I started my first band when I was 14. It was just a lot of like, we just wanted to be Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. We just, just like, really. Could you play the riffs? I think the, well, the, the band could. I never even, like, I learned how to play a few chords to write on, but yeah. I'd never played in a band on an instrument until Barnes Courtney, the project. And then suddenly, like, you know, I went from working at a computer store to something like, you got to go out and tour right now, and it's just you on acoustic guitar because you don't have enough money. Um, well, yeah, because I remember you played here and you were scrambling to find a drummer to play, like, like Bumbershoot or something like that. Oh, it God. was like, uh, you had just, like, just gotten... That was my first ever show that I'd played with a drummer. Because before it was just you and you're just, just like busking. And then suddenly they were like, oh, it's Bumbershoot. I guess we can get you a drummer. And I was like, I, I never played in time before. It's usually just by myself. It's different now. I got the band. It's much better. Yeah? Do you miss the solitude of being up there, just doing your own thing? Oh, no, man. I love being in a band. It's so much more fun. Are you serious? Why? Because I can sweat all over everybody. I can jump in the crowd and rub my disgusting, sweaty head against people in the audience. I can jump up on the barrier. I can roll around like a seal pup. So you're a front man. Oh, dude, that's like that's all I've ever wanted to do is just run around like a sugar, sugar plum fairy on the boards. <laughs> like that's that's that was the annoying thing about all the Seattle shows I've done. For some reason, every time I've played Seattle, the one place that I really want to rock out, it's been the first time I've ever played with a drummer or the first time I ever played with my full band with no rehearsals. It's just like, God damn it. That's crazy, man. I can't even imagine. What went wrong? What happened? Like, Barnes Courtney is... Playing all the all the shows, you uh, you have a chance here to like do something. There's record labels coming after you. What what falls apart to make that to make you think twice, maybe, or to cast a little doubt in your mind? My first band signed to Island. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we just you know we had this crazy deal with um, Lady Gaga's producer Red One, mm-hmm. um, and he was between him and Island Records. Yeah, he just we went and recorded all these songs in Los Angeles. It was really exciting, and uh, he just never delivered the record. To the record label, so he's just sitting on it. It was done. He's still sitting on it to this day. And he used to call me occasionally and have like long three-hour conversations, like "You're my Beatles, man. You're gonna be huge. You're gonna make history." And I'm like, "Oh shit, yeah." I'm like, "I'm really hot." Shit. And then just nothing. And after all that time, after three years and a bunch of money uh, to pay for us to live in a house together, Island was like, "I'm sorry, guys, but there's just no music. So, what are we gonna do?" Yeah, there is. There's tons of music. Yeah. But they didn't have it. How many songs did you do before it came to that? Oh, albums and albums and albums. We did the one with Red One in Los Angeles at the beginning, and then three years of nothing. So we just wrote like four albums in the house that never got released. What are those guys doing now? Oh, man, the guitar player. Well, I write all my shit with the guitar player. So everything you've heard from this project is me and him. Oh, cool. But he also does this amazing project called Look Mum, No Computer where he builds these incredible synthesizers out of random bits of junk. It's like Mad Max meets Brian Eno. He made a beautiful Furby organ. Oh, that guy? Yeah. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's the creepiest thing oh, on yeah, the internet. It's so creepy. 
Yeah, so that he's he's the guy I was in that band with. What? Yeah, back in the day, me and him signed to Island Records. Oh my god, that's crazy. That's when he came up with the blueprints for the Furby organ and he showed me and I was like, this is amazing. Describe it please cuz it's crazy. It's about 50 Furbies. A that, Furby is that thing you could like talk to it a little bit and it would be like, you guys remember those from back in the 90s, right? Yeah, they had the eyes open. They're super annoying. Used to like scream at you in the night and freak you out. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, so I remember um he came up with these blueprints. It's amazing. 50 Furbies. They're all wired together, and you can play each Furby as a note on the keyboards. So you can play chords uh, of them all together, basically. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of incredible. And they all, like, chatter around, and he's got, like, a loop button so you can, like, loop them all together. It's it's pretty great. It That's Banana. I mean, it is haunting how it sounds like you're both simultaneously in hell yeah. and manipulating the youth of so many people all at one time. It's it's an incredible. So, what's his name? Uh, his name's Look Mom No Computer. Look Mom No Computer, and you have written together this whole time. Yeah, since we were 18 years old. Holy crap! And he's so he's every, a British guy. Yeah, British guy. So, glitter and gold was me and him in his bedroom in a decommissioned old folks' home in North London. We both lost our record deal. And um, he was living off a can of beans a day. Wow. He's like a real skinny David Bowie looking motherfucker. Yeah. And uh, he used to go out to the Tower of London during the day and he would sell Polaroids to tourists. You know, like he'd like take pictures of, <laughs> of people and sell them Polaroids. He'd get his can of beans, come home, spend all day, every day working on his music. That's great hustle. And I, I would come in, and I was, like, in the same boat. I was, like, you know, working, selling cigarettes in nightclubs and, like, handing out free samples of iced tea and shit. And uh, the government in the U.K. has this scheme called the Guardianship Scheme where dilapidated buildings that they don't have a plan for yet are rented out super cheap to people like us uh, as guardians to make sure they don't get any more vandalized. So he was living in this, like, disgusting office of an old folks' home. Oh, my God. And it was like the paper was peeling off the walls. Let's speak about vinyls. If you get my vinyl, there's a picture of it, of me and him in there. And we recorded like the whole of Glitter and Gold on one SM58 microphone. Oh, my God. All the drums are made out of things from the old folks' home that we found. Old filing cabinets, old like film reel cans, yeah. uh, the piano we found there. Wow. Um, and it was like out of tune. Funnily enough, we tried to put an in-tune piano on the record. It didn't work at all. Um, you it needed was just, it? It was just a magic room, man. It was really magic. Yeah, that's like up. That's, like, that's not yeah. a normal thing that you would go into and figure out how to make it. Well, it shouldn't work because we tried again. He had to move when the place got knocked down to a decommissioned school in Mile End. And that's where we recorded uh, Hellfire off the first record. Yeah. And it was, yeah, I like that record, but we never got the sonics quite right. It just didn't sound the same. That old folks' home, for some reason, just had an amazing acoustic accident. That happened where everything just sounded magical. Well, there's a bit, yeah. There's a bit of magic that bonds you to a place like that too. Yeah. That like maybe it, maybe it could even sound better somewhere else, but it wouldn't. Yeah, but it was depressing, man. You know, we were both, we were both, f- <laughs> we were both these f- ups. Like nobody gave a. Sh- and it's amazing, like, because I've known Sam for so many years, and he's always been doing incredible inventions, and nobody gave a. Sh- it's funny that I can come to Seattle and talk to you about it. You're like, oh, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's crazy. I mean, that's right up my alley of like weird, disturbing things. Like, I really like that. that really he he to me. was crazy. You know, he's one of those real genius type guys yeah. um, who is actually insane. As in, he used to scream in the middle of the night. Oh. He used to scream like, I'm going to kill him. 
I'm gonna get gun and kill them all. And I'd open his door and say, Sam, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, fine, man. Yeah, you. Yeah, you, you <laughs> want, are. Want some beans? <laughs> well, <laughs> another story. I remember he had this end of the world kit that he'd been putting together for ages, and he said, "All I need is a gun, and then I'll then it'll be finished." I said, Sam, I really don't think you should get a gun. I really don't. I don't. All I need is a gun. Anyway, one day I got curious and I opened this end of the world kit, which was a leather briefcase that he kept in his closet. <laughs> and the only thing in there, bricks. <laughs> it was a. <laughs> It was a can of beans and a copy of the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it checks out. Story checks out. That's good. He used to, I mean, we'd finish a gig and I'd find him in the parking lot outside with all his clothes off screaming, Is this what you want? Is this what you want? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so after we made out for three and a half hours, uh, he calmed down <laughs> tremendously and made the Furby organ. That's that's bananas. So is he still helping you today? Yeah, we we we're a band basically. Yeah, me and Sam. But he's way too on the the crazy genius spectrum to tour. He yeah. just can't handle it. He has to be in his. He's like Kurt Cobain. You know, he gets a physical pain in his gut when he's not working on. Shit. Mm. It's like intense. So he has this Doc Brown Back to the Future laboratory full of all this antiquated technology. And like bits and bobs of projects he's worked. It's a it's like a cave of wonders, a cave of Mad Max, eighties, nineties, seventies. I mean, he's even he's he got uh, equipment from the Second World War in there that he like makes into synthesizers, uh, radar detection equipment Whoa. that he's bought online um, that he uses to make different beats. And it's incredible. Wow, I, was just, and, uh, I just saw a headline today about how a band back in the sixties were sampling orcas. That we're coming by to try and add that into music. I need to follow back up. Unfortunately, on that, they all like, they all died from <laughs> overexposure. Yeah. To so please send waves. them some beans. <laughs> <laughs> they they need your help. Are you a are you a self taught guy or do you? Have oh any... yeah, I mean, God, I'm a I'm a terrible musician. My <laughs> the guitar player in my band. Everyone, pick up 404, the new album from Barnes Courtney, out on nine six. <laughs> that's the thing. That's you know that's that's the thing you should take away from this conversation. You don't have to be a, a good musician to make good. Look at the Sex Pistols. Those guys didn't know how to play. Yeah. All they had was some balls and like a couple of safety pins, and they made an impact on the world. All you need is a dilapidated old folks' home and an imagination, and you too can make an album with Barnes Courtney, an incredible synth genius who can make instruments out of Furbies. I'm glad I kind of fumbled into asking you about that because I am so excited to know that you know the Furby synthesizer guy. I mean, that's that's why the new record came out as synth heavy as it did. I, so I think on the first one, um, you know, it was really important to me that there were no synths on it whatsoever. Yeah. Because it just felt like a reflection of of my life. Everything was. F- I was like living off no money. I wanted it to feel like dirty and. Sh- and raw. It, it does. I mean, it not. It, it feels like a um, the same essence that you'd be trying to sing about if you were singing blues or something like that. It's not a blues album, but no. it feels like if you had something that you needed to get out of you or something. Well, like I was that. depressed and I was f-ed up, and uh, it was a worry for this new record that without that feeling, would I be able to write anything that was uh, as truthful as the first one? Yeah. But you know, I, I went into Sam's like little bedroom studio well we had to move actually because he got complaints from the angry neighbors yeah of course um, so we moved into his parents house where we first started running together which was really and i think that's actually why the album ended up being as as focused on nostalgia and uh like losing yourself as you age and like the trials and tribulations of leaving childhood behind looking for emotions that don't exist anymore trying to re- reclaim memories that have long since disappeared yeah 
it was all informed, I believe, by being in his parents' house. So he moved his whole studio, all of his synths and everything, to his parents and to his old bedroom. And that's where we made the record, in this little house in the middle of nowhere in Yaxley, which is like the tuna fish Ohio equivalent <laughs> of England. Only with fresh yak meat. Mm. It smells terrible. But it tastes terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Equal parts. Now, the... At the time that you were starting out here, five, five six years, uh, I mean, it's been as ten Barnes Courtney? years. Yeah, as Barnes Courtney five, six years ago, right? It, it's been four years, four? I think. Yeah. Okay, my math is awful, obviously awful, but we didn't come here to do math. We came here to bullshit on the airwaves. That is right. Make noises at other people's faces with our faces. Head, we are succeeding. We are succeeding. <laughs> right now, I don't see that there's a lot of guitar playing music around, or if there are people playing guitars, they're kind of buried. Um, and when you're talking about adding synths and stuff like that, where, what's your feeling for guitar music as we move forward? What's going to bring it back? Is it going to be Barnes Courtney? It's, it's coming back in a big way. Yeah. People really, really want it, and I'll tell you why. Look at bands like uh, Greta Van Fleet. Yeah, yeah. They're not moving the genre forward at all. What they're doing is taking something that's been and reproducing it incredibly sure. to a high standard and nailing it. And that shouldn't really, really work. Because for people to generate an enormous fan base, you really need to be doing something that's fresh and exciting. But what it does show is a tremendous uh, feeling from the public for the kind of music you can go and rock out to, Mm -hmm. for the feeling and the spirit of rock and roll. We've had a wonderful renaissance in the hip-hop world. We've had incredible records uh, from Migos, from Kendrick Lamar, people really pushing the boundaries of the genre. And rock really has kind of stagnated, and that's why it's taken a back seat. But I believe that there is a hunger for the spirit of rock and roll and that there are people out there who are going to bring it back. One in particular who I've seen recently who I'm very excited about is Youngblood. He's this like 20-year-old kid from northern England. I don't really think that he knows what the f*** he's doing. I definitely don't think he's sitting there analytically thinking like, I'm going to take these elements from hip-hop and this from the. I think he's just a kid who's 20. He grew up in a scene uh, surrounded by streaming services where he's listening to all kinds of different shit. He's undeniably talented. He's full of raw rock and roll spirit. And all of these influences that have surrounded him have come together into something that is wonderfully forward-thinking and, uh, to my mind, the savior of the genre, the savior of rock music. He's coming out there, he's got a huge stage presence, undeniable charisma, massive, unrepressible personality, um, and he's killing it. Same as Billie Eilish, he doesn't really have any songs that are obvious mega singles, but look, he's still he's still doing great. That's he's not still necessarily what you need, right? Like, in order to be to do something, it helps to have a, a song like 99 on the radio here. That's, that's helpful, I'm sure. Sure. But yeah, but we're on our third Billie Eilish single right now, and... I would never expect any of these someone to be like hearing it a few times and then whistling it along. Like that doesn't. I mean, there are, there are many elements. So inventive, though. It's it's so inventive. It's phenomenal. Uh, what those two do with just Billie Eilish and her brother? What they do with just harmonies alone? Sometimes the re- record is just like a beat and some harmonies, but the vocal production is forward thinking. It's yeah. So simple. It's amazing. Yeah, but, it really is simple. But I guess what I'm saying is, you know, you you need, I think, everything as an artist to do really well, right? You need amazing singles and you need an amazing soundscape you need talent you need charisma an incredible look an incredible art direction videos if you can just have three of those things and kill it on those three you can do pretty well and uh i think 
Billie Eilish, she's got four out of five. You know, she's got everything but the singles. So the four are just so good that the fifth doesn't even matter. Yeah, we're, we're finding singles where there otherwise wouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, a single will work if your profile's big enough and the song's good. The, the problem for upcoming artists is that if nobody's paying attention and nobody gets the message and they don't know who you are, you need something that's so earwormy, earwormingly catchy that it grabs people who aren't even paying attention. But she doesn't have that problem. Everybody's paying attention yeah. to Billie Eilish. She's an it girl. But I mean, like, take a band that's established. Let's go to the opposite extreme. Let's take the Foo Fighters, yeah. who are a band that have been around forever, will be around forever. They're awesome. They like they deliver on like a lot of these premises that you're setting up without being really inventive. They're kind of just doing their same thing over and over. They'll release a song that kind of is here for a minute and then gone. They're not even really generating singles, and they're still massive. So just getting people's attention initially you can set it up for long-term success well the interesting thing about those guys and he did work because i don't care what anybody says after he left nirvana it took him a minute to get the, the first Fighters. album is so refreshing and weird and like yeah. uh, non-confident yeah. like there's a there's such an innocence to it that's freaking fantastic and it took him a while to figure out what he was doing he did not he didn't have it handed to him after nirvana no. by any means no, that no, guy no. that guy worked yeah the interesting about Foo, thing about foo fighters is that they they did come in on a wave of rock music when it when rock music was big oh man you know? yeah the oasis was so huge at the time and there was like the and they came in on that wave and they continued because i mean at least in england you know we had that wonderful indie movement with the strokes and we had the libertines and, yeah sure uh, so, you know, like he was cool in that because he fit into that scene. But the interesting thing about the Foo Fighters is that England, which is where I was growing up at the time, took a mega shift away from all guitar music. Right around the time when Calvin Harris started coming out with, like, Acceptable in the 80s, yeah. back in his early career. Yeah, yeah. And the interesting thing about the Foo Fighters is they've somehow always managed to stay relevant no matter what the shift in popular consumption of genre has been. So even in England, even when it was like, Radio wasn't playing anything with guitars on it. That was the rule. And I remember being told by people I was working with, like, you better not put guitars in your record because radio won't play it. The Foo Fighters were still coming in with their single and still getting to the top of the charts. And their video is still being played on TV. It's crazy. I mean, I think what that comes down to is they, they got their foot in the door uh, at the right time. Yeah. So they established themselves as an act, right? But then they just continued to be so good and work at such a high level. And they'd amassed such a huge fan base. It was just undeniable. And Dave Grohl is a, a frontman. He's a rock star. He's, like, he's a rock star. Yeah. yeah. Like, and one that doesn't squander his magic. He like has maintained it rather than... Super likable, too. Yeah. What a nice man. He's an affable young man. I don't Dave go Grohl. a day without wanting to hug Dave Grohl. I bet you'd hug you back. I, he would, though. I got a story. A friend of mine met him. And he was like, you know, he'd been listening to Dave Grohl his whole life. And he started trying to talk to him in his bar, and he just, he just burst into tears. And he couldn't say anything. He's like, I love you so much. And Dave Grohl just looks at him and goes, oh, come here, dude. Oh. Just gives him a big old bear hug. He, uh, Dave was in town five, six years ago, um, and we were giving away $1,000. You can win it by blah, 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 whatever, okay? And we got a phone call, and it's like, hey, do I win the $1,000? And my friend uh, Red, who was on the air at the time, was like, is this Dave Grohl? <laughs> And he was like, yep. And it turned out that it was him. He was in town for some premiere of something, and he was cruising around listening to the end still. That's so funny. And just, he just plays along. He like gets what he is, and he like lends himself to it. But enough about Dave Grohl. We're like, God, I, I could do Grohl 10 so more minutes much. on Dave Grohl. Oh, can we man? just no talk problem. about Dave Grohl for Let's the rest get a listen. Listen, where are you? She wants to talk about Dave Grohl. 
Barnes Courtney, what are you afraid of? Oh, man. I don't know. Everything. Yeah. And nothing. Yeah. I'm afraid of a lot of stuff, dude. I think the main thing is uh, not enjoying my life enough, getting too bogged down with uh, expectations of stations I should have reached thus far in my career, yeah. personal life, financial life, or otherwise. This is it. This is an amazing bizarre trip that we're on floating around on this invisible speck of dust amidst the grand order of the cosmos yeah insignificant futile so why are we not enjoying ourselves we should be living it up to the max at every possible increment of time and i'm like why are you worried about the position of your single barns you're in a van full of your best friends smoking a joint playing super smash bros this is it enjoy yourself god damn it stop thinking so much it's barnes courtney <laughs> he's got a new album out called 40496 if it would have been june 9th it could have been 69 but he I, went the I, other tried. Way. I tried i tried really hard Wednesday, uh, but they were like Barnes. You've never slept with a woman. We're not doing that. Wednesday, October second at Numos, you could see Barnes uh, headlining with a final stop on the tour in Seattle. That'll be exciting. Oh man, I'm so down. Do you stay with the folks when you come back here? Yeah, yeah. always. Yeah. Apart from this time, because my mom's partner has brought back some kind of crazy jungle fever from his job out in Australia. Cool. My mom's been sick, bedridden for a week, and has forbidden me from coming to the house. Is she going to come see you? She's going to come tonight. I told her not to. I'm like, you're too sick. You can't like stay in bed. Um, she just wants to meet El King. She just wants to meet El King so bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what does this world need to know about you, Barnes Courtney? Um, I don't know. It's not small as they say it is. Uh, I'm actually quite muscular on the inside. A lot of core stuff, Pilates. Um, that smell wasn't me. And my new album's coming out. It's called 404. Please love me. Thank you. You've been listening to So You're in Seattle with Gregor. Follow him on Twitter at HeyGregor. Find more episodes online at SoYou'reInSeattle.com. So You're in Seattle is a burrito butt production. Yeah, you're a good dog chowder. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.